The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Wisdom Wednesday with Greg Cosell. A lot to get to with the civilian GOAT. And we are always doing it presented by DraftKings. Speaking, by the way, of a lot to get to. How about just going over the Stephen Ross Dolphin stuff? The Deshaun Watson stuff. I mean, there, there's a lot of big news that happened after we finished talking to Booger McFarlane on Monday. In fact, the Deshaun Watson suspension came down, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes after Booger and I finished. We didn't know it would be that early on Monday morning. Tomorrow already will be the last Ross Tucker football podcast of the week. You can, of course, check out the college draft. Fantasy Feast, Even Money. We've had a great week. Tomorrow, we're going to have Jason Horowitz. You may not know who that is, but you will soon. He is now the voice of the Las Vegas Raiders. Imagine getting hired to be the voice of the Raiders, You know, which, by the way, we'll talk about Vin Scully a little bit later, who had some football tie-ins as well. But I just thought you guys would think it was cool to feel what it would be like to be hired as the voice of an NFL team, let alone a a legendary NFL team. So Jason will join us tomorrow. We'll also have a Spread the Word winner via social media. Easiest contest I'm aware of. Just do it today. At Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod. Just quote tweet, I love Greg. I never miss a Greg episode, whatever. And you have a great chance to win. Sponsors are amazing. Athletic Greens tomorrow. My Raycon earbuds today. In fact, I got them right next to me. I'm going to hold them up. While you guys watch on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. It's big show time. The big show. You know him. You love him. His name is Greg Cosell. He's been in NFL films for 43 years. I coined the nickname the civilian goat because I think he's the greatest film watcher and evaluator of all time that never worked for an NFL team. And by the way, he's better than a lot of people that do work for an NFL Just because you work for an NFL team once doesn't mean you're better than Greg. It just means he's better than everybody that has it. Okay, just, just so we're clear here, there's plenty of guys that work for an NFL team for two years that don't know, what's the expression? 
poop from Shinola or whatever. They don't know nearly as much as Greg knows. Put it that way. Um, Greg, everybody is talking about Deshaun Watson and the suspension and what Roger Goodell will do in the NFL and whether they will appeal it and they have until tomorrow and blah, 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 blah. That's not what I ask you. I feel like on some level, Greg, we have forgotten what kind of player he is. Honestly, we know he's good, okay? When when I last recall us talking, I remember thinking you saying you thought like he played some of the best football of his career when the Texans went 4-12, and 12, which is really weird because of all the other years when the Texans would win double digits. Yeah. And I remember you thinking he was kind of up and down a little bit. So explain. Yeah, and again, people tend to look at, at one lost record and they assign that to the quarterback, Ross, as you know. Um, but there was a stretch, I thought, where Watson, for a six- or seven-game stretch, played the best football of his career. I always thought that Deshaun Watson, he's a good throw over the football. We know he can move and make improvisational plays. He's a very good secondary action player. But I always thought Deshaun Watson in his own way, was struggling to find that balance between making throws from the pocket that were there and then moving outside of the pocket. Now, as we know, players that can move outside the pocket then can make special plays. But obviously, that's not the way the position is taught. Um, And I thought he always sort of was struggling to find that balance. And I thought for a six or seven, maybe it was eight games, I can't remember exactly. It's been a while. But I thought for a stretch there, he played at a really, really high level um, because Watson is a very good thrower of the football. When he plays that way, he plays with a really refined sense of timing. And then the movement becomes a parachute. And I think that's the way it should be. Maybe I'm old school. Some people might say that. But again, you know that I talk to a lot of coaches and we know how the position is taught. And we know that coaches don't roll the ball out and say, let's run around today. So I think that there was a stretch where I thought Watson really, really improved and played at an extremely high level. Now, he hasn't played for a year. Um, I don't think he really practiced last year either, did he, Ross? That's a great question. Um, he was out there, but he wasn't actually practicing. Yeah, I don't, my, yeah, I don't my recollection. So, I mean, he's look, I'm not suggesting he's not going to come back and be a good player. I'm sure he will be because he's 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 skilled. I think he's a really smart player and aware player. Um, so at some point he'll get back to being what he was. The question is, uh, you know, depending on whether the six games are six or whether it ends up being more, only time will tell that. But when you miss a lot of football, I, I, my guess is it would take some time. Um, it would be weird if it didn't take some time. Yeah. Right. Like on some level, it would sort of fly in the face of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and all these guys. They want every rep. They want every practice rep. Now, listen, he was there for OTAs. He's there for training camp. Heck, they might give him some time in preseason games. I I don't know. Right. Uh, But it's weird because there's a stop start. You know, he's not going to be suspended less than six games. It might be more, but it's not going to be less. Correct. So it'll be very interesting to see what he's like when he comes back. Hey, I have a question. You may know the answer to this, and then I know we want to move on. When you're suspended, uh, I know he can go through training camp, but once the season starts, can he be? Can't can't even be in the facility. That's what I thought. Okay, so so for six weeks, he's not not practicing. He's not doing any of that. Can't even be in the facility. 
Okay. Yeah. That's my understanding. Unless they changed that in the latest CBA, and I don't think they did. Can't even be in the facility, which is a whole other thing. I mean, you know, when guys are hurt for that long, they're usually not in their best that first week they come back. I mean, especially at that position, it's such a timing and rhythm position. Again, it would be kind of weird, Greg, if let's say they, they up it to eight games or ten. Let's just say it's six games. Let's say they keep it. You know, that first game back, there's going to have to be some timing issues, right? Otherwise, what are we even doing out here? Yeah, because the first time I'll practice would be the week leading up to that game. Right. Um, in his stead, Greg, will be Jacoby Brissett. Although, I need to go back and look at this. I'm a little confused as to why the Browns traded Case Keenum to Buffalo and then signed Brissett when they knew – Watson was going to miss a bunch of games. I don't really remember why they did that. Yeah, that I can't answer. But, I mean, you know, Jacoby Brissett's an interesting player. I, I kind of liked him coming out of North Carolina State. Um, he's a big kid. He could throw it. The issue, And he moves well. The issue that he's always had in the league has, has been what I call elimination and isolation. You could see that Jacoby Brissett gets stuck in the pocket a lot without throwing the football. And that tells you that he's not seeing things clearly because there are throws to be made. Obviously, I've watched his tape over the years, but he just doesn't see it with the needed speed and the needed clarity. So he gets stuck in the pocket and ends up checking it down a lot or ends up moving a lot. But he just doesn't throw the ball down the field because for whatever reason, it's not there to him. And that's always been an issue for him in the league. And I think that's one reason, Ross, why he's never really lived up to what his talent looks like. There were times at North Carolina State where I thought he looked like, in the way in which he played, that he looked like a Ben Roethlisberger. Big kid, good arm, moved well, made those kinds of special plays where it seemed like he shed bodies and made throws. Um, And I know he was. uh, a lot of people liked him coming out because apparently he's a great, great kid, too. But it just never worked for him in the league because I just don't think he sees it at at the necessary speed and timing. All right. So I want to make sure you distinguish between these two. We hear you say a lot, Greg, that some of these guys don't take the throws that are there and they look to get out of the pocket. They look to get out and be second reaction. Now you're saying – on some level, Brissett stays in the pocket too long, you know, gets stuck in the pocket. I think I know what you mean. But listen, not everybody has played football or watched. I want you to distinguish between those two. Because on one hand, you're saying, well, Deshaun Watson and some of these other guys, Mahomes, leave the pocket too early. Now you're saying Brissett gets stuck in the pocket. Should he leave it earlier than he does? Well, as you know, Ross, every play – every play call, every pass play has a route concept and a route combination. And you call plays with the idea that you anticipate a specific coverage. Now, you're not always going to get that coverage. So built into route concepts and combinations are throws that work against multiple coverages. And obviously the the quarterback has to know what the coverage is so he knows where to go with the football. Um, 
the great quarterbacks kind of figure that out before the snap a high percentage of the time. The Tom Brady's of the world, you know, they know what the coverage is pretty much before the ball snap. But sometimes you have to take the snap and take a step or two in your job, and then it becomes clear because defenses do disguise and they use late movement. But quarterbacks see that, and then they immediately know where to go with the football. Um, there's two ways that quarterbacks respond to that when they don't quite get it. When the picture isn't as clear as they – would like it to be or when when they don't feel that they have a throw. Some quarterbacks stay in the pocket and they try to figure it out. Okay, if you do that, more often than not, too much time passes, you get stuck and bad things happen. Other quarterbacks, when they don't see it and figure it out, they leave the pocket because they can and they're good at it. And Deshaun Watson would fall into that category uh, at times. Jacoby Brissett falls into the the former category where he gets stuck. Even though he has good movement, he gets stuck. He just waits for it. He waits to see it. And if you have to wait, Ross, in this league, as you know, you're beat. There there is no time to wait. You're dead. Um, Okay, let's get into some of these receivers because I think this is interesting. Now, you and I don't talk money often, Greg. And as you say, the money is the money. The cap's going up. That's what guys are getting paid, et cetera. We get that. I get that. However, I do think it's interesting. It feels like there's been a little bit of a change, Greg. At some point, there was sort of a thought process that if you have a good system and a really good quarterback, there's kind of a bunch of receivers you could plug in and that offense would would flourish or that offense could function at a high level, right? You look at these contracts that these guys are all getting, Greg. It feels like that's changed. It, it feels like teams no longer think that's the case. That if you have a high-level quarterback, you have a good quarterback, you can function with the quarterback with the receivers you have in a good system. They are paying big, big money for wide receivers. The latest since our last episode, DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel. I guess before I get into any specific player, and maybe you can reference it talking with them, do you agree with sort of this trend? Do you agree with the philosophy of, boy, you you really need one of these um, big-name, difference-making receivers? Well, you know, and that's a really fascinating question because I think it depends on how you want to play. Like, I'll give you an example. I would say that when you watch the Rams offense, okay, the Rams offense to me is not built on a receiver winning one-on-one. We know Cooper Cup set records a year ago, and we know he's a very good receiver. We've discussed him over the past year or so. But their offense is not built on, hey, we've got a big-time boundary X. He's going to win one-on-one. We're going to throw him the football. You know, they don't they don't play, let's say, the way the – the Saints used Michael Thomas when he played a couple of years ago and had big numbers where he predominantly lined up at boundary X and you get a lot of one-on-one matchups and your receiver wins. The Rams are much more of a team that's schematic in how they go about their route concepts and their route combinations. Now there's always some one-on-ones, no question. Uh, but there are teams that basically say, hey, we have our guys, you know, we're going to line up like Mike Evans is a boundary X predominantly for the Bucks. He gets a lot of one-on-one matchups on the outside. Brady throws him the ball and it's one-on-one. 
you know, so it depends on how you play on offense. Um, you know, obviously everybody would agree that having better players is <laughs> better than not having, not having better players. You know, that's a given, but we're also in a league where the ball is thrown an awful lot and receivers are going to get targets and they're going to get receptions. So you have to decide number one, what a receiver skill set is the best way to deploy him, And, and then how important he is in the context of your offense. I mean, I think we could all agree that Debo Samuel is really, really important in the context of the 49ers offense. Now it's a different debate as to whether we think Debo Samuel is as good or, or better than Devontae Adams. That's a different question, but to the Niners, he is a really, really valuable player for reasons that I'm sure everybody knows. Well, I want you to I want you to uh, expound upon that a little bit. I think people know, but it does seem like I mean, clearly the Niners felt that way because he wanted out. Supposedly they they were not going to let it happen, and they gave huh. him the kind. Why is he so important to what well, they do? And now it becomes a great question as to how their offense changes a bit with Trey Lance because Trey Lance to use a term that I've seen, is, is is a plus one quarterback, meaning that he can give you second reaction plays, which Jimmy Garoppolo could not. And Lance also gives you the, the, the play action boot pass game, which Garoppolo couldn't give you. But for the most part, Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan's pass game is very, very rhythm based. So what Samuel is really, really good at, number one, he gets off the line of scrimmage. He's, he's physical and he's explosive in short space. And when you throw a lot of short timing throws, as they did with Garoppolo, run after catch becomes critical. And run after catch is an absolute strength of Samuel's game. You know, Samuel would not be considered a true vertical dimension. You know, every receiver gets vertical once in a while. But you don't think of Debo Samuel and say, boy, that, boy, that guy can run. You know, he's physical. He's competitive. He's phenomenal run after catch. He can be used in motion, and the Niners use motion as much or more than any team in the league, and that's a critical piece of what they do. Now, motion is not only used in the pass game. It's used in the run game. As you know, that's a different discussion and a different question, but they use him a ton in motion. They get him free access off the ball. They want to get him the ball in space. We know they use him as a running back. Um, So he fits very much what they do, Ross. What about DK Metcalf in Seattle, which I think is really interesting, Greg, because, I mean, Pete Carroll says they want to run the ball. Yeah. We know what their quarterback situation is right now. Russell Wilson's gone, and yet in what appears to be a rebuilding year, they really prioritized DK Metcalf in Seattle. Yeah, I mean, you know, we know that Pete wants to play a certain way. He played that way with Russell Wilson. Um, he's likely to play that way now. They drafted Kenneth Walker in the second round. They drafted Charles Cross, the left tackle, in the first round. They want to line up and be physical and run. That's the Pete Carroll philosophy. But you still have to throw it. Um, Now, DK Metcalf came in the league, predominantly played boundary X. He's your classic big boundary X receiver, single receiver to the short side of the field. You get a lot of one-on-one matchups. He's developed, but predominantly he is a movement receiver, vertical routes, crossing routes, slant routes, glance routes. You want to get him the ball with his big body and his explosive movement. You want to get him the ball on the move. Now they've started to move him around a bit more just as he's learned more and they want to do other things because you don't want to just line up a receiver in the same spot every time. 
but he is uniquely talented at 6'4", 230 with that kind of explosive speed. There are not many guys like, like DK Metcalf. So it's not surprising that he gets signed because there's just not many like him. You know, I think that's a big miss by the NFL team. I mean, a lot of people passed on him, Greg. Yeah. Because the idea was that he wasn't a great route runner, right? Well, and, 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 you know, there's two things. And again, I'm not saying I'm right or wrong, Ross. Okay. But there's two things when I hear people talk about when they evaluate receivers coming out of college and they say, well, you know, he doesn't, he didn't run a complete route tree. That to me is a meaningless evaluation point because first of all, even in the NFL, a lot of receivers don't run every single route. You know that, I mean, nobody runs necessarily every single route and plus you get coached. It's the coach's responsibility to teach guys, you know, the position of wide receiver. The college game is different than the NFL game. You know, once you get to the NFL, you theoretically line up in different places. Splits dictate your releases. Splits dictate angle of routes. You know, there's a lot of things that are involved in playing wide receiver in the NFL, and that's the coach's responsibility. Now, if you truly believe, let's say, a player is incapable of learning, that's a different question. But, that, but just to say, based on his college tape, well, he only lined up on the left. I mean, Gabriel Davis, when he was in college, lined up on every single snap about three yards from the sideline on the left side of the formation. Okay? And, and Greg, either ran a go route. Yeah, yeah. Or they just threw him the ball on a look pass. Yeah. I mean, he, he ran like two routes. And I've heard from people that this kid's incredibly intelligent, okay? And in Buffalo's offense, he lines up outside in the slot. I mean, you get to the NFL, you get taught. That's the idea. So, you know, just to say, well, you know, he's not a good prospect because he only did this, you know, that that to me is is not the best way to evaluate a receiver. So two guys got hurt. Uh, Greg, one's done for the year, one might be. I uh, just want to get your quick hit yeah. thoughts. Broncos receiver Tim Patrick, Cowboys receiver James Washington. Yeah, Patrick is a player I really like, and I'm really sorry to see that because I was looking forward to their offense as a whole because you could argue from a skill position standpoint, they have everything you want. They had wide receivers, two good backs, uh, tight ends that I think are on the come a little bit. Um, and Patrick was sort of an unknown given that they had Sutton, that they drafted Judy in the first round, even KJ Hamler, who I guess will be back. And he becomes even more critical now because he'll be the number three. It'll be interesting to see how they line up their players, you know, and I think there'll be a lot of movement involved with, with how they do that. But Patrick was big. Um, he, I thought he actually moved pretty good too, Ross. I mean, you know, he could get vertical. So I think that's a big loss, a bigger loss than people might think. On the other hand, James Washington was important to the Cowboys, really. Uh, he hasn't done a whole lot in his career, but the Cowboys know that Gallup will not be ready early in the season. The next two guys, I think, are Simi Fahoko, who was a draft choice a year ago out of Stanford, big and can run, traits similar to Chase Claypool, and then who they drafted this year, Jalen Tolbert, uh, second or third round, I can't remember. Third. Third, but... Tolbert is, is kind of a long, smooth, fluid athlete who, you know, I think predominantly is an outside receiver. And I think those two guys, someone's going to have to be able to play very early and, and, and be some kind of factor. His name is Greg Cosell. We love him. He's fantastic.
might be joining me on Friday. In fact, he is at 1 p.m. on the Jim Rome show. So, uh, yeah, I didn't tell you guys yet. I'm filling in for Jim Rome the next two days, which will be fun. Noon to three. It's on three hours on TV. Just my big fat head on TV for three hours, back-to-back days. Thankfully, Greg will join me on Friday. So now you have to watch or listen to that. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate it. You know what I appreciate? Raycon earbuds. I literally just had to lean back and grab them. I'm charging them right now. Those of you watching on YouTube, you're seeing me hold these up. I cannot tell you how much I love these things. Every time I ride my bike, every time we drive and I want to listen to something that my wife and daughters don't want to listen to, I pop one Raycon ear, but I actually listen to articles now. I, I, I open a web browser. And I found this app. I can li- Anyway, that doesn't matter. What matters is they've got optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. Eight hours of playtime. I've never gotten it less than one of the green beeps. Like th- there's four green things that light up when you're charging them. I've And I, I have them on for two hours at a time, sometimes three hours at a time. It's amazing. Love the noise isolation. Love that you can just press the earbud to turn it off or on. Go to buyraycon.com slash Tucker today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash Tucker to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash Tucker. Tucks takes. All right, Ross, let's start today. The big news that came down yesterday, the NFL suspends Dolphins owner Stephen Ross six games and a day, fined $1.5 million, loses a first and a third round pick after the Tom Brady slash Sean Payton tampering investigations, but does not find any tanking per the accusations from former head coach Brian Flores. Well, geez, I mean, there's a lot to get to here. The, the the tampering with Tom Brady goes back to like 2019 and 2020. This is a wild story. I mean, this is an NFL owner who tried to get a quarterback from another team and a coach from another team while they were both under contract with other organizations. It's bad. I mean, it's a bad look for Stephen Ross. Bad look for the owner. And by the way, I think it's funny because on some level you can say, well, at least he's being punished for trying to do things to win as opposed to trying to do things to lose. They did find that he said something to Flores about getting uh, $100,000 per loss. But they, as I had predicted, remember this? As I predicted, he said he was joking. Which, by the way, even if he was... He's the boss. He's the owner. And there's always a little bit of truth to sarcasm, right? So he goes, oh, I'll give you 100 grand for a loss. <laughs> that, that, he, that means he wants you to lose. Like, he's joking. Like, even if he is, here's my point. Even if he is joking, he's not. So I'm always a little bit skeptical of some of these NFL internal investigations because it feels like they sort of get the, uh, the result that they are looking for sometimes. Tux takes. 
So right after we finished uh, recording with Booger McFarlane the other day, the word comes down, Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson, Watson suspended six games for violating the personal conduct policy, but not found to have been violent or used any coercion. NFL, no announcement yet on a possible appeal. Right. So they have to announce by tomorrow. It'll be very interesting to see what they decide. I think most people... I think maybe I saw a report last night that the NFL is expected to file an appeal. That appeal is then heard by either Roger Goodell or his designee. It'll probably be his designee so he can stay separate unless Raj wants to come in and spend him for the year and be the hero. It's interesting because on some level they created the impression that there's a more fair process now with the latest CBA. Oh, independent arbitrator, you know, we, we, we pick them together, Sue Robinson, we picked her together. Okay. They almost did the NFL a solid with this. Because rather than Goodell issuing the initial dis- discipline and getting all the criticism, now they have this independent person who gets the criticism And then Goodell comes in after he knows everybody feels about it and he can go up to eight games, 10 games, 12 games, maybe suspend him for the whole year. But whatever decision he makes, he'll know that he's getting, he's doing what the majority of people want him to do. It's really, uh, it's really amazing when you think about it. As you and Greg talked uh, earlier, Cowboys, uh, James Washington's fractured foot. Broncos' Tim Patrick, torn ACL, both out indefinitely. Never a good thing. You know, for the Broncos, it hurts their depth as much as anything else. For the Cowboys, CeeDee Lamb is like a lone soldier early in this year in terms of guys that are known commodities. I mean, it's not great. You know, we'll see what Tolbert can do. Greg mentioned Fajoko. They still have Noah Brown there. But this is a because Gallup's on PUP, that makes the Washington loss a more significant one. Ducks takes Vikings tight end Irv Smith and Rams wide receiver Van Jefferson going for surgery, while Bill's safety Jordan Poyer hyperextends an elbow. It sounds like Irv Smith, I think he had surgery on his thumb, Van Jefferson knee. Sounds like there's a chance both those guys are back for week one. So maybe not too much of a concern there yet. They think Jordan Poyer will be as well. So all these guys have a great chance to get back for week one, but that doesn't always happen. Ducks takes. A few big contracts that were just announced. Steelers kicker Chris Boswell, Patriots punter Jake Bailey, and Cardinals left tackle DJ Humphreys. Well, good for those guys. You know my philosophy. I like when everybody gets paid, like when everybody gets as many people as possible to get life-altering financial security or to max out their gifts and their hard work as possible. It's a little bit of a punch to the gut sometimes when kickers and punters sign contracts to make way, way more than I did. But that's my issue, not theirs. Congratulations to those guys. Make sure you check out Fantasy Feast today as tiers of Dolan roll on. 
There is no better thing to listen to to get you ready for your fantasy football drafts than Tears of Dolan on the Fantasy Feast. Plus, we talked about how to bet on preseason games if you're interested and some more season win totals, which is basically just teams that Kiev likes and doesn't like going into this year. Check me out on Jim Rome next couple days if you get a chance. We'd love to get your feedback. We'd love to have some of you guys actually call in. Why don't you call in on the number? We can actually chat live on the show. I'll take a bunch of calls. Make sure you tell the uh, call screener you're a, you're a Ross Tucker podcast diehard. That'd be amazing. Shout outs go to Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, HumanHeadNYC.com, SteakhouseSports.com, Go-Bangles.com, and Evergreen Economics. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.